everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp and you are not. And today is Thursday, September 8th, the year of our Lord, 2022. Now wait, how did I get the date so well? Well, because there's two very important women who have birthdays today. Well, I'm sure there's more than two, but these are the two I care about. No, should I not say it that way? One is, I don't know, Mary, the mother of God. It's her birthday today. So make sure and thank the Lord for our blessed mother, because she's not just Jesus' mother. She's our mother. And why? Because we are the body of Christ. And we do not stand alone. Does anyone remember that song? I remember, like, there was a time where every youth group sang that over and over and over. Do you know this one? We are one body. And they're like, don't you love that song? The first six million times. The third six million times? No. But also on this date, my mom was born. Yes. My grandma Ebenhoe had 14 kids. Uh, three girls born on September 8th. My Aunt Grace, my Aunt Margaret, and my mom. How cool is that? But not at the same time. No. Mm -hmm. hmm? Two of them. I mean, your mom was. Well, they weren't born at the same time. I mean, same you, know, you can only get one out at a what, time. What years were they born? Mom was born in. Huh? Uh -huh. 38. Okay. And her twin, Margaret. But then Aunt Grace is at least eight years older than mom. Okay. Yeah. So September 8th. Isn't that crazy? And you were just telling me September is the most common birthday month in the country. I think in the world. In the world? Maybe in the world. For, for one primary reason, and it's two words. Christmas. Okay, enough said. I did the math. I figured that out. Oh, yeah. So we celebrate the birthday of Mary, the mother of God, and we celebrate, uh, I celebrate my mom's birthday today by um, buying myself presents. No, I'm not cutting the beard, right? Someone just, who just asked me the other day, nicely, like they weren't being whatever. Yeah. yeah. What made you grow that beard? And I said, the fact that my mom is with the Lord. She hated, like she liked, I used to have very long hair. She wanted long hair. She'd hate it when I cut my hair and she hated facial hair. Now she could, I could get away with this thing if it was short because I got a gash here and the little hair covers it up. That was a baseball bat. That'd be a fight I lost. So uh, we started our whole section on Abraham, and I can't believe it. You people seem to really like this, and I'm so happy about that because I love this stuff. I really do. And uh, Abraham, as I said yesterday, we can't overstate the importance of the man. And if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, A, you're in danger of hell. I mean, I'm just saying it because I have to. I'm a priest. I care. No, it would help to go back and listen to the first one so that as we talk through the second part, and we're probably going to have a third because I'm 12 years old. I mean, I don't know. I didn't plan on doing this, but a part of me thinks I should do Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, like as one. Yeah. It's not like we're short on time or anything. Okay. Can we just talk about the covenant of marriage? Can we talk about the covenant of marriage? See, that's Spanish. Well, you know, they had a covenant, but apparently it wasn't about being 
faithful. Oh, Abraham? Yeah, yeah marriage wasn't a covenant back then, okay. right? Jesus that? made it a covenant. Okay. Uh, marriage, that's a great yes. question. Yeah. And these guys were, what do you call it? Polygamists, I think? Like a man would have more than one wife. You know, I think I told you guys, this happened to me, right? Two different women asked me to marry them, and I said yes to both. Don't you think that was big of me? <laughs> Is it time for the screaming goat? You know that joke will never get old to me. Are, are people laughing or are they leaving the church? I see some laugh bubbles. Yeah. Can, can we go back to the most the birthday thing? Yeah, which one? It's actually September 9th, tomorrow, is the most common birthday on the planet. Shut up. Mm -hmm. On the planet. Did you hear Uncle Chuck? So Chuck's saying, Chuck's my lovely research assistant. Um, that September 9th is the most common, like even in Asia? Common birthday on the planet, which is... Well, of course, because everybody has a Christmas. I mean, even if it's not Christmas, every major culture has a feast at the end of December. They have Christmas cheer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which leads to... Unless you're a priest. About the middle of December is when... It's how you doing? Yeah. yeah. How you doing? No, no, no. How you doing? <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, marriage back then worked differently than now. So like even today, in today's readings, it was about how when Mary was betrothed to Joseph, it said, but before they were living together, and then it says Joseph was going to divorce her quietly. They're like, wait a minute, that's three different things. It was a different time. Uh, betrothed to someone meant you intended on marrying them, and not like I think I'm going to. You're going to, and people then moved in together at that point. It's just how it worked. Um, that's why, like, being honest, sometimes people, uh, get bad information. So like, oh, if, if they found out Mary was pregnant, her life would be in danger. No, it wouldn't. It'd be soon she'd get pregnant. She'd get in trouble if Joseph said, that ain't mine. The assumption would be that this was normal, that they were going to get married, that they were married in a sense, just needs to be a formalization of it, right? Weddings works different now, right? Once we understood marriage as a covenant, um, you know, again, it's not even like engaged. Betrothed means you're getting married. Okay. Yeah. So betrothed was just basically the assignment given to you by families. Yeah. There was an agreement between two families because marriage wasn't about love. Marriage was about, frankly, boys, having boys. And the fact that you got girls sometimes was like, okay, well, we'll take it. Because the whole key is this. Um, there's no retirement. There's no banks. When you're too old to work, if you don't have people taking care of you, you die of hunger, right? Uh, so what do you do? You get married, you have a ton of kids, and make sure they have a ton of kids because people don't live very long. And now you're taken care of when you're older. Plus, it discouraged a very common problem, as we'll read with Abraham, in tribal cultures, namely, I'll kill you, right? That, oh boy, this is so, I keep going backwards, but this is important, and it'll maybe even help you understand Abraham a bit. 
Marriage was utterly practical, had nothing to do with love. It had to do with making more of you and bringing peace between tribes. Why? Tribes, if, if I was a member of one tribe and Carrie, you were a member of another, and someone from my tribe killed someone from yours, one of our tribes will not exist anymore at some point in the near future because we are not going to stop. Uh, honor did not allow you to not take revenge. But when you take revenge, well, now I got to take revenge. And then you got to change. And you think that's ridiculous. No, that's life. There was no armies. There was no law and order. It was sable, savage tribal life. Now, what do you do to make sure Carrie and I never get into that spot? Well, I pick a boy from my tribe. She picks a girl from her tribe and they marry. I'm not going to kill my cousins. Uh, and that's what marriage was. Marriage was simply a way to make more people and to be clear about whose it was. Because if it was just, well, she's going to have a baby. No, it needs to be my baby so that that kid will take care of me. So marriage became this legal arrangement that uh, before it was anything sacred, frankly, in our eyes. Of course, in God's eyes, it was sacred all along. It was a way to keep tribes at peace. And it was a way to make sure you were taken care of in your old age. Does that help? Yeah. So that's why you have multiple wives. Now, wives couldn't have multiple husbands because you can't have the confusion about whose baby that is, who's the dad. That is the key to the whole bloody thing. Does that help? Yeah. And that's why you get multiple marriages. If someone somehow lived past 20, uh, especially men, men had more than one wife in their lifetime is a general rule. Why? Women died in childbirth. Women were also particularly susceptible to violence. Uh, so that's where you get like uh, someone like St. Joseph, who may have been married before Mary and his wife died. May have. Who knows? Does that help? Yeah. Okay. So, um so once they moved in, they were betrothed and... They were, you and I would say, they're married. Now, there wasn't a ceremony yet, but it's not how it worked. Life was very small. Um, life was very small. Your social circle was 100 people at the most. So everybody knew. And that's what really mattered. Okay, that gal belongs to that guy. That guy belongs to that gal. And that way, there's no ambiguity about whose baby comes out. So Abram only had one wife, though? Oh, no. Okay. So there were He's going to have a few. Well, going to yeah. have, but, you, but she sent him with the slaves. <laughs> right. But that wasn't a wife? No. That was, uh, you and I would say, a concubine. Like, men had absolute sexual rights over their slaves. Sorry. And it wasn't considered cheating. Uh, now, if she had a child from that, this is where you get that thing where there's no word for cousins because they just didn't have any care about it. So forgive, is this too crude? I don't mean to be crude. Okay. Uh, I've read a ton about this, as you can imagine, especially because of Abraham. Uh, if I'm a dude and I have a wife and I, uh, what does the Bible call it? Know one of my slave gals and she has a son, then the son from my wife and the son from my slave are both my sons. And they are brothers. They don't do this half-brother thing. There's no such thing. But the wives aren't going to do that. 
they'll call the other guy their son because there's no word for cousin, but they wouldn't treat them like a son. Does this help? Yeah. Does she marry a slave man? Who? Slaves couldn't marry non-slaves in this culture. No, no. But did the, the slave girl Yeah. on the side, was she married to a slave boy? She could be. You know, it didn't matter, though. He would have to understand what the rules are, but you don't see male slaves, right? Oh, well, not really, because males fought to the death. Okay. They, they had to, because if they were fighting, this all goes back to this thing of blood feud. Um, am I, are people with me? I, I don't know. No, uh, no. Okay, so again, guys, think of it this way. I have my tribe. Carrie has her tribe. Chuck has his tribe. There is no laws, right? There are no laws. I might have laws within my tribe. Carrie might have laws within hers. Chuck might have laws within his. But at some point, the only tribes that survived were the ones who had a very simple idea. You kill one of mine, I kill all of yours. You had to make the consequences of murder so extreme that no one would do it, which meant there were less murders than you would think. But what it did mean is a murder started a chain of dominoes that could only end with the obliteration of one tribe. That's the only possibility. So what do you do to prevent that? Again, you make the consequences of murder so horrific, but two, you make sure that your tribes are intermarried you make sure there's marriage back and forth. That marriage was created at this point by humans as a means to keep the peace and to make more humans. And that's it. Love had nothing to do with that. Um, there were no mention of love in their vows at all. The, the, the word never came up. That's very much a modern phenomenon. Uh, who was it? Just I swear, just the other day, someone was telling me, do you know they still have arranged marriages? And, you know, yeah, um, a lot of places do. And check out their divorce rate. It's just about zero. And it's a culture where divorce is easy. I divorce you, and that's it. What is it? Again, a marriage based on love is beautiful if both people understand what love is. But if one of them doesn't, ugh, right? And what about our culture now makes us think we have any understanding of love? You know? Is that a... No. Okay. Which all leads to, right? Jesus' first miracle was to do with them. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Was And that's the wonder of marriage as a sacrament. That what Jesus did, right, this was the whole interplay between him and his mom. A son, they're out of, they're out of wine. Uh, and he says to her, Ishi, you know, which is a very sweet, lovely title, which we translate woman, dear God. Uh, woman, what does this concern of yours have to do with me? My hour hasn't come. Jesus is making a play on his coming marriage. Oh, boy, this is convoluted. Stick with me, Okay. Oh, I got to organize my head. Stick with me, folks. And I don't know if what I'm going to say is entirely appropriate if there are children listening. Just as a heads up to our moms and dads. Um, uh, okay, 
So when Jesus is on the cross, you may remember one of the phrases he says is consummatum est. It is consummated. We translate, it is finished. But that too is a play. That's a way to use words to communicate two realities. That at that time in history, in a Jewish wedding, and again, forgive me if this is too much. I'm looking at you. Okay. So the man and woman would get married. And everybody's kind of standing there. And then they go into the bridal chamber, which is right frickin' there, and they consummate the marriage. Uh, no pressure, fellas. And then he comes out with the sheet, with the blood, and says, it's consummated. And what he's doing is two things. Establishing her purity. This is going to be my kid that comes out. No one else's. And he's establishing, we did it, right? The physical union of our bodies makes us one, legally. And then everybody would cheer and get liquored up. Yeah. Jesus used that phrase when he was hanging on the cross. It's consummated. His blood. Right. And, and Paul really draws this out in the New Testament a lot. And that's, oh boy, this is so rich. I, I, I know we're off topic, but stick with me. Okay. So Paul uses that image over and over, as does Jesus, right? Every time he talks about heaven, I, I forget what percentage of the time it is, but most of the time he refers to it as the wedding feast. Heaven's the wedding feast. I get to be with my bride. Who's his bride? Us, the body of Christ. Why are we called the body of Christ? Because we're one with the groom who is Jesus. Boom. Yeah? We doing good? Yes. Okay. So now let's take this back to Mama and Jesus at the wedding feast. You with me? The first miracle, public. Hey, uh, they're out of wine. My hour hasn't come. He's making a joke, and he's making and a dark joke, frankly. He's going to be tortured to death. The wedding isn't here yet, Mom. Right? Uh, whatever this is, that's not the wedding he's thinking of. The wedding he's at? No, he's thinking of the wedding. And she gets the joke. She does, she does what every good mom does. Ignore the stupid joke. Try it and say, just do what he tells you. Um... <clears throat> There you go. Are people with me? Yes. That wasn't too out there, convoluted. No. Like, again, uh, Easter Vigil. You've got the waters of baptism. You'll see this at Easter Vigil if you go to that service. You should. You should go to at least one in your life. Make sure it's a good one, though, because if it's bad, oh, my gosh. Um <laughs> You have the waters of the baptismal font, which is the womb of Holy Mother Church. And what do we do? We take this phallic-looking thing and we plunge it in the water three times while the priest prays that God fertilize the womb of Holy Mother Church so that all who die the death of baptism emerge a new creature. Right. At baptism, we die and we enter the womb of Holy Mother Church. Jesus is the groom. We're the bride. And that from that womb issues forth this new life of baptism. You know, 
And do you see why in a shallow thinking culture, atheists always win? Right? Think about it. What I just told you is the quickest possible way to explain to you really the heart of it all. And I can't do that in a tweet. I can say, your God is stupid in a tweet. Uh, or I can say, no, I read Hitchens. I must be smart. Uh, but there is a depth to what we believe. There is 5,000 years of literature and philosophy and prayer and experience that I can't explain in a tweet. Uh, this is why the bull defeats the china shop every time. All it's got to do is knock things over. And it's why Christianity loses so often in this culture, because it's easier to not think. It's easier to just swing, right? Think about this. Why do bad things happen to good people? How many words is that? I can type it in five seconds. The answer to it is going to take me 10 pages. Um, yeah, Christianity is not a religion for the shallow thinking. Um, and I don't say that arrogantly at all. It's just a fact. Um, I would never think I could just, like, I could read a thing from NASA and think, well, I don't know why you're doing that. You could just blah, blah, blah. But I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. But I can make them look stupid. No problem. I just got to say what stupid people would say. Or ignorant, maybe ignorant, meaning lacking knowledge. And it's the same with Christianity. We've been sending, we've been doing Christianity for a lot longer than we've been doing rocket science. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you got a question? First one. Gotcha. Let me put, let me put me lashes on. Okay. Holy cow. I've always wondered how Mary, Jesus, how Mary knew Jesus would perform a miracle as this was his first. Well, it's his first public miracle. Who knows what Mama had seen to that point. And don't forget, she knew who he was, right? The angel wasn't ambiguous about it, uh, if that helps. Yeah. Um, what did Mary know? And I, I really want you to think about what this means, right? She knew he'd do what he to she told him. Isn't that incredible? Think about that. She knew she was so confident that he would listen to his mom that she literally turns to folk and say, just do what he tells you. And she bugs out. Problem solved. Think about that. Think about the beauty of their relationship. And I do, forgive me, if you're, if you're one of my Protestant friends listening, I'm not ripping on you. I can't believe how much beauty they opt out for. Um, think about what that means. That she didn't, okay, Jesus, let me make my case. Jesus shot her down in a sense, and she turned and went, just do what he says. He's going to listen to his mom. And that's a big part of our belief as if you, well, why do you pray to Mary? Why not just to God? Hey, I can do both. I can talk to Carrie and get this, and her husband. Isn't that crazy? And I don't shortchange one by talking to the other. In fact, it, John tells me uh, he loves our friendship. You tell me, I love how you and John, right? 
that's any healthy relationship, let alone a mom and her son, who, by the way, was raised without a dad at a certain point. Well, how tight do you think that bond was? Well, we shouldn't be praying to dead people. Well, I believe in the resurrection. Sorry, I don't think they're dead. Yeah. We miss so much beauty when we shut out mama. We do. Yeah, we honor her. Okay, I talk to her. I dig her. Yeah. Whew. We kind of veered, didn't we? We Sorry, folk. Are, Are people okay? Yeah. Okay. How did we get here? Do you remember? Because I asked about... Oh, how marriage works. Yeah, so basically the idea was pretty simple. And again, it depends on the time. You got betrothed, and then you might be betrothed at four. Uh, but, and again, I'm sorry. I don't know what's appropriate to say here. I'm looking at you. How do you say it? Once the girl was ready for procreation, well, he moved in. Because, right, sorry, ladies, men are ready to go at, I think, three days old. Uh, that's just, uh, I don't know what the Lord was thinking. Yeah, stop, sorry. I'm serious, so there's just something in our male brains where it's like, yeah, I'm ready. Uh, uh, but, and again, they equated sex with procreation, right? Was it recreational as a symptom? Sure. Uh, but that's for life. So you waited till she was able to bear life and then he would move in with her and they're married. Now, was there a ceremony? Probably not yet. Depended when they could get someone there. It wasn't like there was a rabbi hanging around every town. Uh, And it wasn't even like at this point there was a formalized wedding ceremony. Um, The key to the ceremony was her family and his family saying, okay, are we all in? We're all in. Okay. Is she a virgin? That was important to them. If, if it was that sort of marriage. Yep. Okay. Now, once that first baby's born, then the wedding happens. Often. Again, was it never cauterized? Is that the word? Never cauterized? No. Codified. Codified. That's funny. Cauterized was when they heated up a stick and put it on the male's forehead. Because that was the only way he'd remember. Oh, yeah, I'm married, you know. Um, Yeah, my tribe's not bright. Okay. So that was the thing about Jesus and about Mary and Joseph. Right? Oh, she would have been killed if they found out she was pregnant. No, they would have celebrated. She would have gotten in trouble if Joseph went. I didn't have sex with her. Okay. One last question. Sure. Do we know how big the tribes generally were? Like this one? Well, we know Abraham's that said he had, what, 168 servants just for fighting. So it was a big group. Right? Big group. Uh, And again, what you would see is a very small amount of young people, a very small amount of old people and your biggest age group would be between 13 and 20. Uh, Why? Because that's when you're at your toughest and your hardest and your strongest and if you lived that long you were tough indeed. And not that the others weren't tough but I mean yeah. It's wild to think of. Yeah. How are we doing? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Is everybody fat and happy? Yep. So now we're going to get to some of the really interesting stuff. You remember we left off with Hagar, 
right, who um, was the slave girl who gave birth to Ishmael and went on to star in a comic strip. No? Okay. Was that joke horrible? No. Get it? Hagar the Horrible? <laughs> who, like, at some point in American history went, you know, the Vikings were raped, pillaged, and destroyed almost all of Europe. We should make a comic for children out of them. Okay, so now after that, we get to, we're going to talk a little bit about Sarah. Sarah, Sarah. Okay, uh, 13 years after Ishmael was born, Abram is 99. Or as they say in German, no, no. Get it? Nine, nine. Did you get it? Did you get it? Like it was a joke. God gave him a new name because this is so classic God, right? I'm not going to give you a kid next. Yeah, I'm going to give you a bigger promise. Isn't that crazy? I love God. He must be a heck of a poker player. He changed his name to Abraham in a fit of optimism, which means the father of many nations. Holy cow. Really, Lord? Yeah, hang on. In the meantime, he then gave Abraham instructions uh, for the covenant, which involves circumcision. Now, in terms of circumcision, this was a normal practice in the Middle East. Where the Jews were different is they were doing it eight days after the boy was born. At this point, this is where it becomes Jewish law. You must circumcise the boy eight days after his birth. Traditionally, and God help us, fellas, if you're listening, I'm so sorry to tell you this. In all the other cultures, it happened when you hit manhood. So at 12 or 13 is when they circumcised you. I am uncomfortable. Mm So try not to try to remember circumcision wasn't at all unusual. What was unusual is that in the Abramic covenant, you circumcised the baby, not the adult. Okay? Then every 13-year-old Israelite boy thanked the Lord when they found out. God then gave Sarai a new name, Sarah. So he changed her name from princess to my princess. Okay, and he blessed her and told Abraham, quote, I will give you a son from her. So uh, what did Abraham do when God said that? Do you know? He laughed. Thanks, Abe. You're such a sweet and sensitive fellow. Quote, Abraham said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall shall Sarah, who was 99 years old, bear a child? Uh, That's what he did. That's what he told the Lord. And then he went out and circumcised everyone. All the men in his tribe. Let me just say this. Ouch. Can you imagine the line? She's like, I'll get in line for food. It's like, why are you in line for circumcision? I mean, do you think he lied? Yeah, just get in line, guys. I'm handing out gold and candy, sugar. I don't know. Just get in line. 
Why are all those guys screaming? They're they're happy. Happy. Here's where we hit the linchpin moment. And you remember Abraham laughed when God said this was going to happen. Well, at this point, Abraham is out in the, quote, heat of the day, sitting at the entrance of his tent. And he's right near mom, right, where God and him made that big covenant with the covenant of pieces. Hey, he looked up and saw three men. Now, these three men play a pivotal point. These three men play a key part in everything for the next few chapters. What you're going to find, like if you go read this now and you read it carefully, what you're going to find is that the author, not Abraham, Abraham didn't know at this point. All Abraham knows is his three dudes. What you and I know is these are either the Lord's messengers or the Lord and two of his messengers, or it changes all through the story. Like the, clearly the author isn't clear. Um, but these, we believe, are divine persons, be they God and two messengers or three messengers, one of whom occasionally gets replaced by God. And the, the Jews were comfortable with not knowing. They really were. And you'll see it again in the story of Abraham and Isaac, where it's totally unclear. Is an angel doing this without God or is God doing that? They don't know. They're just telling you what happened. Okay, they're comfortable with mystery and ambiguity. So these three dudes came up and Abraham did what Bedouins do. You offer to take care of them. Somebody is out walking in the desert in the heat of the day. Dear God, help them. Uh, so it says he ran to them and bowed to them. And then he offered to wash their feet and get them food. And they agreed. Um, and I'm not being funny. This happened to me uh, when, remember, I told you uh, I walked the desert with some friends. And yeah, the Bedouins will spoil you rotten. If they see you walking around when you should be sleeping in the shade, they'll come help. Because they just assume either you're really dumb or you're lost. And either way, you need help. And they don't give you from their extras. They will literally give you the shirt off their back. And then here's another thing you need to know. And remember this, because this comes in important later. When you eat with Bedouins, the first thing you ask for after the meal, they will give you. And I think I shared this with you before. That when we were going over there, our guide who was with us said, after dinner, none of you can be the first to talk. Why? Because if one of us said something like, did you name your camel? Right, just asking, they will give you that camel. That's the law. The first thing you ask for or about after dinner is yours. So we sat there after we ate, deliberately not saying anything. And the Bedouin waiting for us to say something. And then finally he decided enough time had passed and he started talking. But he was making clear, whatever you want. If it's mine, it's yours. And we were making clear, we don't want your stuff, bro. Right? Keep that in mind, because this comes into the story a little later. So Abraham washes their feet, takes care of them, and he went into uh, Sarah's tent, right, to uh, tell her what to make. And then he sent a servant off to kill a fatted, the choice calf. And so then they set out, get out, get, get, believe this is the meal, right? 
When all was prepared, he set out curds, milk, and the calf before them. He waited on them under the tree as they ate. Abram's just a lovely dude. And make no mistake, guys, this is an all-day enterprise. You don't put the cow in the oven. They didn't have one. You cooked it. Uh, and they went all out. So now the meal's done, and one of them says to Abraham, do you know, where's your wife? Oh, really? Okay, so the first thing this guy asks after the meal, where's your wife? He said, she's in the tent over there. The visitor then says, when we come back in a year, she's going to be holding a baby. Sarah's in the tent, and what did Sarah do? Do you know when she heard this? She laughed. Right? Now, we've established, and I hate how I sound, that Sarah is the problem. Yes? Abraham laid with Hagar and had a kid. They're trying to make clear to, oh boy, this is touchy. An angel saying, uh, Abraham could have interpreted this, that I'm gonna go over there and lay with your wife and you're gonna have a kid, right? He didn't, he didn't go over there. So it's trying, God is trying to remove from the equation your ambiguity and theirs. This will be a child that is a fruit of Abraham and Sarah. Not Abraham and a slave girl. Not an angel and Sarah. But Abraham and Sarah. It's God, in a sense, looking at the data and going, that's so cute. Watch this. Yeah? And you know what happens, right? A year later, when they came back, she's holding a baby, right? And what's the baby's name? Yitzhak. Laughter. Because Abraham laughed his butt off, Sarah laughed his butt off, and God went, watch this. So they named their child Laughter. Isn't that cool? So after the eating, now before, of course, she didn't have the baby yet. I jumped ahead a year in the story just because that's incredible, isn't it? That God removed from their minds any doubt, right? Uh, oh, so cool. So after the meal, Abraham and the three visitors got up and they walked over to the peak that, that overlooked the cities uh, to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. And... God told Abraham, I'm bringing fire on that city. So what's Abraham thinking? My nephew lives there. He loves Lot. He loves Lot a lot. Um, at that point, the two visitors, it says, left for Sodom. And now Abraham is left with one visitor who it becomes clear Abraham knows is God. Okay, so we've got the players in this situation. God sends down these two. You go scout out and see if it's bad as I hear. And Abraham and, and God stand on this hill together looking. And then comes that famous conversation where Abraham and God negotiate. Where Abraham, you remember this passage? It goes through this whole thing. Hey, Lord, if there's... 50 righteous people in there, would you destroy the city? No, I wouldn't destroy the city if there's 50 good people in there. All right, well, don't let me drive you nuts here, but I gotta ask, what if it's 45? 
And then this whole negotiation goes back and forth. And Abraham keeps playing his part. Oh, Lord, I know I'm just dust and ashes and you're God. So I can understand if I'm driving you crazy, but I got to know. What if there's 10? That Abraham is not trying to get data on the number of good people in that city. He's trying to know his God. He wants to know the heart of this God. And this heart, this beautiful heart of God is revealed in a few things. One, he'll spare a whole city for five righteous people. Two, he never yelled at Abraham for his irritating stream of questions. He let Abraham come to know him in a way that made sense to Abraham. And Abraham did it with great humility. He wasn't, yeah, you know, God, so I'm wondering, let's say there's like 20 of those dudes over there. You don't know. No, he's, I get who I am. I get who you are. Do you mind if I keep going? Right? His humility and his real desire for people to not die and his hunger to know, who is this God? How can I know him better? It's such a cool conversation. It's irritating to read. It is. It's very, at least to me as an American, I'm just like, I would have been like, hey, God, how many? Right? How many? And get a hard number. Yeah. But Abraham, I mean, if you got a chance to sit down with God face to face, wouldn't you drag it out? You know? And wouldn't you find out, well, how patient are you with me? I'm going to figure out how many people you'll save the city for. But what about me personally? How far can I go? Cool stuff. How are we doing? Okay. So now those two visitors in the interim have arrived at Sodom. And uh, let me just say the oops. What ends up happening? Abraham nephew, Abraham's nephew Lot saw them standing in the city square. So again, I think I told you about this. They still do this in very rural villages over there. When you go into a small village, you'll see a central place. And if you just sit there, they know you don't belong. And the response will be, someone's going to take you in. Right? They're just going to come out. You got anywhere to stay? No, well, for God's sake, stay with me. Right? And they do it very passionately. It's not, would you like to? It's, oh, you're staying with me. There's no way you're going to stay. You know, oh my gosh, come on. Like they, they go all out. Um, I did this once in uh, the area between Lebanon and Israel. We ate like gods, like the whole little village just piled in and kept bringing food and food and food and food. And then we started dinner, you know. <laughs> So who is it that goes out and meets these strangers in the city square? Well, Lot, Abraham's nephew. Love that kid. And he tells them, stay at my house for the night. I'll take care of you and I'll feed you. But a whole group of men <laughs> saw these two very handsome men and decided they wanted them sexually. And so they start banging on the door. Bring these men out so we can have our way with them. And Lot was like, no, and sorry, ladies, I'm so sorry. He offers them, look, I've got two of my daughters are virgins. I'll send them out to this mob. Uh, nope, they're not interested. Um, and they tried to break down the door. They're going to rape these men. 
the Angels, which this is when Lot figures out, oh, these aren't dudes. Make a flash of light, and in the confusion, they get out of there. Okay. So the next morning, uh, Abraham went to the place where he was talking with God before, and quote, he looked out towards Sodom and Gomorrah and saw what had become of the cities on the plain, where not even ten righteous could be found. Um, so he had got, you know, the angel got Lot and his family out. I forgot to say that, sorry. And God rained down fire from heaven. Okay. Um, so this is why uh, traditionally sexual activity between males is called sodomy. Right? That's why they call it this. Um, and I know now, as I understand it, that's not a word people in the gay community prefer we use. Um, and I know some people who, you know, are, I don't know. I think I'll leave the discussion alone. Uh, but it's one of those things where that's where the word comes from. That's why we say sodomy, because in Sodom, they attempted to forcibly rape men. Um, men did. And, uh... That's the sin that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, the scripture also make a clear bit a little bit later, and you're going to laugh, but this is a big deal in the Middle East. It was a sin against hospitality, right? That that was a, that was the problem. This is a culture where hospitality is everything, and it's not like we do hospitality. It's for a stranger, you would die. Uh, for example, if you look in um, what do you call it, the Quran, it says something about. If you bring a man in your tent and he eats of your salt, you must fight and die to protect him, even if he's an infidel. Like This is a culture where that means everything. So if you read the book, Oh, Come Holy Spirit, Lone Survivor or Soul Survivor, did you ever read that book? About that Navy SEAL team that went into uh, Afghanistan and they were ambushed and one guy lived. They were all killed. And how did he live? Because a Muslim took him into his home and much of his family died protecting this guy, right? And you were like, wait, the bad guys were fighting to protect this Navy SEAL? Yeah, in a sense, because that's the rule. He was in our house. We got to fight to protect him. And the guys who took him in weren't Taliban. They were a different kind of Muslim. But isn't that incredible? They still live that. Um, crazy stuff. How are we? Okay. Um, any, how are people doing? Questions about Abraham or any of this? Uh, Let's no. peek. Huh? No? no? Oh, okay. Um, give me a second, okay? I gotta find where I was. Okay. Whew! I'm already tired. Um, so now we get to another story where you're like, oh, Abraham. You know, his name changed, but the dude didn't. Uh, Abraham settled in a place that uh, the Bible will eventually call the land of the Philistines. Um, now, while he was living in Gerar, the city there, he openly claimed Sarah as his sister. Uh, and the king in that area, a guy named Abimelech, Ab Abimelech heard that and was like, well, hello, Sarah. So Sarah's 99, but apparently still quite the looker. Um, <laughs> so when 
the king saw Sarah and heard Abraham say, no, it's my sister. That's my sister. Nobody kill me to try to take her. Uh, the king was like, great. And quote, brought Sarah, had Sarah brought to him. Now, God then came to the king in a dream and said, if you take her, quote unquote, if you take my princess, you'll die. She's married to someone else. Now, the king at that point had not touched her, so he asked, he, so he, quote, inquired if God would slay a, a righteous nation because he basically he defends himself. Wait, Lord, this guy, I didn't know it was his wife. He said it was his sister. So God tells the king, no, no, you don't have a, you have a blameless heart. And that's why you're still alive, right? You have my princess with you, but you didn't touch her. So that's why you're still alive. But you better get her back to Abraham. And if you don't, I'll kill you and your whole family. Um... So then uh, the king was also informed by someone, hey, that Abraham guy, he's a holy dude. You should ask him to bless you, <laughs> which the poor king, right? So the next morning, the king told the servants about the dream and they all went to Abraham. And the king's question was simple. Bruh, what are you doing to me? He said it was your sister and your God almost killed me. Um... And dear Lord, do you remember Abraham did this before with Pharaoh, remember? Well, here's the best part. Abraham decides that this is, uh, this seems like a good time to, you know, defend myself. And he says, look, I didn't know you guys were good people. And I just assumed you'd kill me for my wife. And then by the way, ready for this verse? Quote, indeed, she is my sister. She's the daughter of my father, but not my mother. Uh, she became my wife. It's like, you know, Abraham, we didn't want to know that. <laughs> TMI. Yeah. Poor Abraham. So uh, the king returned Sarah to Abraham and gave him like gifts galore, right? It's just, this is one of those, I would like your God to be very happy uh, because he almost killed me. Uh, gave him stuff, sheep, oxen, slaves, and said, look, wherever in my lands you want to settle, it's all yours. Here is, quote, a thousand pieces of silver. And why? Well, because <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, basically, um, well, Abraham deserved to be paid for Sarah. Abraham then prayed for the king's household because, uh, and, and he did this because God, uh, <laughs> the women in the village in that area had all become sterile all of a sudden, and they knew it was because God was ticked that Abimelech took Sarah. So the curse was lifted and... Oh, got a question? Yeah. Can you believe this? And I want to say, oh, and you know what? Remind me in the end to say why one of the reasons I believe in the Bible, okay? Could you talk about Ishmael and the Muslim faith? That is something I don't understand. Yeah, I could talk a little bit about it. Can you remind me tomorrow? Because yes. I'll need to do a little more research. My understanding is very cursory. That if I'm right, and don't quote me, Muslims consider Ishmael their father. Okay. So guys, here's one of the things, and I mean this. 
when people will tell me, like, every once in a while I'll get something, you know, some really bright TikToker or whatever. I don't know how you can believe the crap in your Bible. Look at this story of Abraham. That's why I believe it. Would you make this up? If you were Abraham, would you be like, you know, I'm going to make up a story where twice I give my wife away out of fear. She seems like a great thing for my grandkids to know. (laughs) This is how people lived. And it's so weird that the very thing that compels me to believe it is the thing that causes those who don't want to believe to go, oh, that can't be true. Police, have you met people? I talk to them all the time. Humans are really capable of this. And not only that, but much more so then when the rules were totally different. How could, oh, if your God is a good and loving God, how could he allow all this slaughter? What do you mean allow? What do you want him to do? You want him to like appear and start punching people? We're free. And this is what we do with our freedom. And the fact that he did not say at any point to Abraham, brah. (laughs) Right? That's the amazing thing to me. That's why I, that's one of the reasons I believe. Can you imagine, right? You're Abraham and you're dying, you're in your old age and you want to pass on this beautiful gift of faith and this God and that your thought is, you know, to really juice it up, I should make up some awful stories about my wife and I. (laughs) What? (laughs) Who, what? Look at the story of the Buddha. Well, he was just perfect. So, of course, people follow him. Look at our story. Here's Abraham. Yeah, he did some goofy things. Wait till we get to Jacob. Jacob's dirty. He fights dirty. He is slippery. He's not entirely honorable. And we follow him because that's real. Buddha achieved enlightenment. Yeah, well, Abraham handed off his wife to a couple people. Is it time to go? All right. And I'm not ripping on Buddhism, right? But to me, that's where you question it. You don't question the one where they're like, yeah, the founder of our faith was an idiot or was a jerk or sometimes did really stupid, cowardly things. You should be arguing about the one like, our founder's perfect. (laughs) Really? Where'd he come from? Oh, and what happened to that founder? If the story doesn't result in, well, everybody killed him, then I don't believe you. Because I've seen what happens to good people, let alone perfect people. Holy crap. Anyway, okay. Oh, another one? Some notes. Father, could you please that one? Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay, so if you live anywhere near Lansing, Resurrection Parish is having their ox roast this weekend, which is really a joy. Uh, I used to, I didn't know Rez was doing it now. I know Kaz did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I loved that. And their priest there is a very good dude. Uh, a very good dude. So if you're near there, check out Resurrection Parish uh, in downtown Lansing. And look up their stuff about Knox Roads because it's good food and it's a great way to support a parish. Um, oh, no. Oh, Sister Teresa, we love you so much. Can we all agree to pray for that woman? She is such an angel. Her, she's with her mom and her mom's in the ER. Mm-hmm. So, Sister Teresa, we love you so much. And we ask Jesus to send his Holy Spirit on your mom to heal her and strengthen you, her. And we ask the Lord to give you hope to guide the hands of those who will be caring for your mom. Um, oh, and beautiful Richard. You know, Richard, uh, 
uh, we're all with you today. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar, uh, he said, uh, can you pray for our queen who is very ill? She is a faithful Christian and has put her faith at the heart of her reign. Yeah, and bro, I'm an American, but I can tell you, I don't know anyone who doesn't think of her as a gift. Yeah. Seriously. And uh, brother, I, I, we grieve with you as best we can. And I, I tell you, Again, ignorant redneck American here. I know the world will be less without her. I mean that. So for all of our UK friends, we love you guys. Seriously, I know it's hard for Americans to understand. It's a big deal. Um, and we love you, bro. And we love all you guys. And we're certainly going to be praying for her. And if I, I don't really understand the whole thing, but I think we got to pray for her family too. Aren't they a bit of a wreck? Or no, I don't know. You can't grow up that rich and not be crazy. You know what I mean? I think. Or is that mean? I don't mean that mean. Well, she grew up. Yeah, but she's a badass. Like, she went through World War II. She, she, you know, suffering. You know that old line, right? I'm going to say it wrong, but hard times produce good people. You know this? Good people produce good times. Good times produce weak people. Weak people produce bad times. Well... You know, it's that cycle, right? And man, that chick went through the fire. Um, and it, it, man, it made her steal. It did. Ah, oh, bless you, bro. I'm sorry. So let's agree, guys. We're going to pray for Sister Teresa's mom. And we're going to pray for Richard and all of our beautiful friends in the UK. And for the soul of uh, the queen. I know she's not with the Lord yet, but I, as, as I'm told, it's, it's close. I mean, what is she, a thousand years old or something? How old is she? 96, I think. How old is she, bro? 96. Oh, that's not. I mean, she's, she looks like she's always in terrific shape. I don't mean to... Did you see, I don't know if you guys saw, it was a family I saw on TikTok. 13 children, all still alive. Yeah. The youngest, 90. The oldest, 113. Holy crap. It's an amazing little video. Holy crap. What nationality are these people? They're well, not it, German. You know, it was something that yeah. was foreign language. Oh, and Chuck said they were Vulcan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it turns out, you know, not having emotions adds years to your life. Well, the the know. funny thing is on the video, they, they started with the, the oldest, mm -hmm. 113. So the last three were 90, 91, and 92, and they were all boys, and they were like spry. <laughs> Well, I just yesterday talked to Joe Dunn. Yes. Do you remember we interviewed him on this show? He is 3,000 years old, and I would not fight him. I think he'd win. Yeah. He's going to be 100. He's going to be 100 next year. Oh, so uh, anyway, yeah, I get you, bro. And so Sister uh, bon er, Teresa um, and Richard... And uh, I know Patricia is from the UK. Yeah. I know Sean. Um, we love you guys. Sorry. And we'll be praying. Yeah. And is Charles going to be the next guy? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then we pray for him, right? Because I think he has some struggles. Or I don't know. I'm... But Patricia has a friend that's uh, converted to Catholicism seven years ago. And nice. He's, he's going to be a priest soon. Shut up. Yeah. That is so cool. Send him over here. Yeah. Unless he's a jerk, then you can have him. Is that the rule? All right, congratulations, Patricia, and we're praying for you too, sis. Okay, is that the Patricia in Scotland? Yes. All right. 
And I want to be clear. Here's how deeply I feel this for you guys. I'm serious. Do you notice I didn't do my fake English accent? That's discipline. That is. That's love. That's respect. That's sacrifice. Oh, yeah, I guess it's respect. <laughs> All right. Salad pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we want to start off today thanking you for Queen Elizabeth. We do. For a long time, she's been a kind of rock. Uh, what she's endured, what she's led people through, all of it has produced a really fine woman. And we ask that if this is the day she goes home, that you get her there. And that you comfort her family and her subjects. Or I, I think they're citizens. I don't know what we say. But the people who love her. We ask too, Heavenly Father, that in a very special way, you be with Sister Teresa's mom. Heal her body. Bless those who will be working with her and on her. And help Sister Teresa to know everything's going to be okay. And today, Lord, I do thank you for my mom. I thank you for all her, for who she is and who she was, both good and bad. The whole thing is what made her so lovely to me and to dad, I know, and be with my family today. Lord, you know these people in our lives that we love so much and we worry about. And you know all the circumstances in our lives that we, we fret about. And we give all of them to you, Lord, because we love you and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My Kung Fu was strong. I'll see you guys tomorrow for question and answer. And until then, peace. Is it over? No, it's never over.